Good morning, 738 News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Sunny today, kind of like that. That's a little bit of a change. Remember, this afternoon we're going to see some storms uh, probably in the 5 o'clock range, and they could be severe. In fact, going overnight, we're in the 3 out of 5 zone concern. Uh, that's what Channel 3 was reporting last night. And you remember, you know, even at 2, we had the two tornadoes that hit Pensacola in 2016 were in 2. So 3 is a very serious possibility of bad things happening. So be prepared and, uh, you know, just uh, be aware that tonight's one of those weather alert kind of nights. Uh, Tommy Leiter is the chief deputy at the Escambia County Sheriff's Office. Uh, chief, uh, um, Sheriff Simmons is off for the week. Uh, Tommy, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always good to have you on. Uh, before we get to what I think is a really interesting stuff, some of the recommendations in the transition report, uh, let's talk about some of the uh, incidents that we have had this week. Uh, one of them is kind of shows the value of traffic stops and all of the things that can come as a result of a traffic stop, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just good police work. I think the most effective crime prevention tool out there is an alert deputy, you know, just out there doing his job, beating the bushes, so to speak. And in this case, he uh, saw a suspect. That actually, he saw the car was unoccupied with the engine running, which, you know, so he circled back around to see what that was going on there. And Nettles is a suspect, got into the car. And uh, when the deputy went to make contact with him, got into a foot chase with him, and uh, turned out he had a suspended DL. But more importantly, he was armed. He had a, a firearm in his pocket, had a firearm in the gun, had a cocaine in the vehicle as well. So it's just one of those uh, good police work got him off the street before he could you know, victimize anybody. And, and this, so this is a case where had a record, therefore not supposed to have a gun. Uh, certainly, I assume didn't have a permit anyway for obvious reasons, um, but just kind of um, paying attention led to the arrest. And, uh, you know, as you said, taking somebody off the street who's got a past, right? Yeah, charged with possession of firearm by convicted felon, possession of cocaine, resisting an officer, and like I said, there were two guns, and in in one on him actually had it on him. So I'm thankful that it ended the way that it did, and not in the and one of my deputies getting shot at or, or shot. And then of course there's another firearm in the vehicle as well. You know, you know, to me it's it's a reminder of something that I think sometimes people sanitize in their imagination and don't realize, but um, police officers are getting into fights all the time i mean it's a physical occupation and as a result of that you get sprained thumbs and pulled tendons and broken bones and you know it's a it it is often a physical occupation right it is and you know this deputy was just it was literally just a suspicious vehicle engine was running and less than a minute later he's in a foot chase with an armed suspect who turned out to be a convicted felon with cocaine so it's just how quickly it can turn from right. just you know sitting in your car driving around to actually in, in an incredibly dangerous situation. You know we talked about staffing levels. That's another part of our staffing concerns with not just the vacancies but light duties. We have quite a few deputies on light duty at any given time, and it's you know not just pregnancies and that kind of stuff. It's on duty injuries. It seems like we, we every constantly there's always a deputy or two or a few that are on online duty for injuries received on duty. It's not like you see in the movies. You know, we're not some black belt in karate where you do some super karate chop and everybody falls down. It is very physical. It's ugly. It always looks bad. Um, and we're just people like everybody else. So we get we get injured. Usually that's what happens is a suspect gets injured and a deputy gets injured during a lot of these uh, 
physical altercations. No, that's a, I mean, that's a great reminder. That it, Yeah, it really is a good reminder. We also had a um, – there's a new, relatively new CEFCO uh, at Fairfield and Pace, and there was a guy who got stabbed there last week. Is that right? Well, kind of, yes. We found out after this – it didn't happen at the CEFCO. That's where oh, he ended okay. up when they called for help. I got gotcha. you. So we okay. found out the crime scene was not, not far away. It was behind – I think it was a – there's another – cash and save or something like that that was close to it and it's a homeless he's homeless stabbed multiple times um there were some other people on scene intoxicated they didn't see anything all of them were homeless as well the victim is still in the hospital and still unable to talk as of uh, late yesterday so we still don't have a uh, a good handle on what happened okay and and that that corner, for people who don't know it, that northwest corner used to be a very high vagrancy area. Uh, of course, the you know the the shopping. Well, yeah, used to be and still is. You know, yeah. Um, and then what I think, if I remember correctly, was across the street at the strip mall that's got the the check cashing place. I think there was a body discovered there a couple of years ago. I mean, just that area has a history yeah. of of all this. Am I miss? I'm remembering that right? Yeah. You're correct. Yep, Pace and Fairfield. Right there's a heavily traveled intersection, and it is, um, like I said, there's there's homeless camps that are that are around there as well. And and all of that activity doesn't just miraculously go away because you build a shiny new gas station on the corner. <laughs> you know, it's just a, that's just, <laughs> that's not the way people work, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the other things um, uh, that I wanted to ask you about is uh, you were one of the authors on the mayor's transition team report. And uh, I guess not officially in your capacity as representing the Scammy County Sheriff's Office, but still, this is a this is an interesting position for you because it's a follow on to you having been chief of police, of course, for quite some time uh, after Sheriff, now Sheriff, then Police Chief Simmons. Uh, and in your recommendations, and I, I have to make fun of you a little bit. You and I are good friends. You, uh, you're so, you, we went to we were in Leap together back in the day. Um, you're supposed to give three recommendations, and you gave three and a bonus. <laughs> and one, of the, one of the recommendations was, you know, or a, a observation was the LOST funding is not really sufficient to for a replacement cycle, what I would consider a reasonable replacement cycle. We did all of our rolling stock, all of our equipment, and then you put that out on you, – you, plan that out on a replacement cycle right. you know, a cruiser ideally you can get 10 years 100,000 miles which you know if you have a private vehicle that may not be that much but we're talking about police cruisers that are heavily used and you're talking about high-speed pursuits so you gotta have the brakes you gotta have the tires you gotta have you know the handling so they, they there's quite a bit of wear and tear on a police car and and that LOST dollars aren't really sufficient for a 10-year replacement. There are cruisers out there with 120, 130, 140,000 miles on them and with, without you know, this replacement cycle. So that lent itself to, when I was a chief, I was asking for, for red light cameras. I keep saying it's the biggest threat to public safety in the city is traffic. It's just the sheer number of people that are in and out of the city, which is a great thing for, you know, for the city because the secret's out. But from a law enforcement perspective, it really is a challenge to police that. About the transition report for uh, Mayor D.C. Reeves. And uh, before I let you continue on the red light cameras, I will soapbox for a second on you mentioned local option sales tax is not adequate to cover the full replacement cycle for the police cruisers. And I agree with you, but I will say 
Um, that should be general fund revenue. That is basic operations of the police force. LOST is supposed to always be extra stuff, stuff we couldn't otherwise get through ad valorem taxation. And so I don't think it should be coming, even though it's lawful to use it that way, it shouldn't come from there. You should be above and beyond things with LOST. But that's a philosophical conversation. And I know it's not your baby anyway. But um, back to the uh, the red light cameras, you and I have talked about this a bunch. And the, as you've said many times, the um, the most preventable form of danger to property and people is getting people to drive safely. But as you were just getting ready to say, the danger intersections are unpoliceable, right? Yeah. So in order to to write a traffic citation at an intersection for a red light, you have to be able to you have to be parked in a position where you can see the red light. You have to see the stop line or the intersection so you can witness the car. You got to get across the line before the light turns. Red. So you got to be able to witness the violation, and then you have to be able to get out into heavy traffic to stop the car and then either issue a warning or issue a traffic citation. And there are intersections that are designed that makes that impossible. It is nearly impossible to initiate change at some of our highest, biggest threats to public safety, these high-crash intersections. Just the top three, there's a crash at one of those intersections every three days, like clockwork. In the, in the next three days, we're going to have another crash, and three days after that, and it's frustrating as a chief, as somebody responsible for public safety, that you really can't initiate change. And, and just, just, to put a, just to put a picture on that for right. people, the, the one that you constantly remind people of is at uh, 9th and, um, uh, and Brent, right? That's a great ninth example. And, yeah, so there's 9th and Bio, 9th and Airport, Fairfield and Davis are the top three. Okay. Davis and Fairfield, big intersection. Ninth and Bio is, is a major one, and then Ninth and Airport. And if you look at, get a visual on that, where is a police officer going to be able to park where he can witness the intersection and witness the the violation and then be able to get out into traffic and stop a vehicle safely and, and initiate change, have that conversation. And um, you just cross the bridge in the Gulf Breeze, and there's red light cameras there. So... And I go to New Orleans quite a bit, and when I drive through Gulf Breeze, I just went there with my wife this weekend. And when I was driving through, I had my maps on in my car, and it alerts you, red light camera ahead. Mm-hmm. In New Orleans, it'll say speed camera ahead, and it'll force you to slow down. And there's a lot of evidence to prove that red light cameras work in reducing traffic crashes, reducing crashes with intersections, the most dangerous. And the way it works, it's not an automatic, it doesn't just automatically mail you a ticket. What it does is... The software program will alert. You have to have a police officer, so it'll alert the Pensacola Police Department. They would have an officer actually review the violation because it's all recorded. And then the officer will use his discretion to make a decision whether or not to issue a traffic citation based on what they're witnessing. So if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you pull up at a stale red light. And I'm not saying this is okay. But, you know, you can see in all directions. Maybe you're going to the hospital or something like that. And you go ahead and you come to a complete stop. There's no traffic. It's four in the morning or whatever. And then you bust it. The intersection or the officer can make a decision whether or not to issue that traffic citation. It's not this AI computer that can make that decision. <laughs> yeah. So they'll send out a, you know, the traffic citation and it's not reported to your insurance. It's not reported to your driver's license. So you don't get the hit on your, on your um, driver's license, your points. And you can decide whether or not to pay it or not. And if you say, hey, either I wasn't driving, there's a pretty good cameras on that, or um, I don't think I deserve a traffic citation, then you can always contest it that way. So it's there's a lot of safeguards built into the state law and the program 
it's functional in Gulf Breeze. It's functional throughout the state and other cities throughout the state. I think that the city would benefit. It would be in the best interest of public safety to and, put red light cameras at those intersections. And, you know, I've lived in a lot of places where I've had these, let alone Gulf Breeze, obviously. And, you know, I don't I don't find them problematic in any way. And the key thing that I think that people might not hear in what you're saying is you're not you're talking about giving police the opportunity to actually police the most dangerous intersections that are structurally impossible to police right now. So if you want to cut down on the every third day accident at those three top locations, this is the way to do it because the alternative is just how hum we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, and I, I, I appreciate exactly. I appreciate that philosophy. Uh, Tommy Leiter, he is a chief deputy at the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, and he was on the mayor's transition team right in the report. Uh, Tommy, as always, good to talk to you, sir. Uh, great to hear from you. Tell your wife I said hi, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. As always, I appreciate you, Andrew.